0: Good evening good afternoon <laughs> good afternoon maria thank you so much thank you so much thank you um i first want to say happy mother's day happy mother's day to all of the mothers all of the mothers of pt i have to give a shout out a special shout out to my mother darlene rogers give a shout out to mothers of all forms and all figures that we have said. You are loving on someone, caring for someone, cultivating someone. Thank you. I want to give honor to Elder Lady Carmen and Bishop. Thank you for having me. I want to give honor to my husband for his wonderful support and my sweet girl, Lily, who's at home watching. Um, To all of the ministry teams who have continued to make this service happen, the media team, a special place in my heart. So I thank you, media team, and everybody who who just has continued to serve and to give of your time and of yourself um, to make sure that the word of God meets the people. So um, before we get started, before I I share with you what God has given me, I want to just call out two scriptures and then we'll pray. The two scriptures that I want to call out first, um, from Luke 9 and 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And the second one is from Luke 22 and 42. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done not mine. My message today is called Fully Surrendered. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Oh, I thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I worship you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. Thank you, Father God, for dwelling with us, for going before us and behind us. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God. Father God, decrease me that you would increase. May there be none of me in all of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I thank God because... I've never been so prayed for in my whole life. I was getting texts up until this morning that just kept saying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. So I thank God for those prayers. I thank you for each and every person who's prayed for me. I thank you for the encouragement and the kindness. I thank God for PT because being connected to this house has truly blessed me. So I thank you. Thank you, Jess. I just thank God. And we're going to get through this. (laughs) So we're talking about being fully surrendered. And what I want you to do, because I know there's there's people watching on our live stream. Excuse me. There's people watching on our live stream. So I want you to put in the chat really quickly. When you think of the word surrender, what comes to your mind when you think of the word surrender? What comes to your mind? Just put that in the chat box for me real quick. And I want to start off really quickly with a, a definition that we can all take with us. Surrender means to give oneself up into the power of another. It means to yield. That's what the, defi- that's what the, the Webster definition says. And separately, I found a spiritual definition of surrender. And spiritual surrender means that we give up our attachment to specific beliefs and desired outcomes. We let go of our preconceived ideas about how things should be and rest in the wisdom of God. We stop attempting to figure things out for a while and we return to our source, allowing ourselves to be in complete service to God. A life surrendered to God's higher purpose. Versus a life centered on myself. I got that last line from Brother Albert. He preached an amazing message. And that last line comes from him. So as a mother, I have been afforded the opportunity to see what this looks like in real life. My daughter Lily is three years old. And one of the studies that I've read said that a child can know a parent's voice even before they are born. In the womb, they begin knowing a parent's voice. And so when a child is born, they don't only cling to a mother because the voice is soft or gentle, but they cling to the mother because they're familiar with that voice. And so I notice now, you know, at the beginning, in the the one to two phase, For the most part, if I asked my daughter to to do something, she would do it. But now that we have choice, and we know that we have choice, and we know that we have will, it doesn't always go as seamlessly. Um, I believe that children know when you come here that your parent is going to take care of you, they're going to clothe you, they're going to feed you. They're going to be a place of covering and protection. But if you take away that iPad, All of that comes into question. All of that comes into question. If you say, listen, sweetheart, give this to me and I'll give it back to you at a later time. Give this to me and I'll give you something better. That becomes a challenge. Even yesterday, Lily and I went to the Children's Museum and she has these new toys. She's really into PJ Masks. For the moms out there, little as you know about the PJ Masks. So she's really into PJ Masks. And she, she's got these two new toys. She brought them in the car with her. She's bringing them to the Children's Museum. And, and, she's, and I knew it. I, I, God was preparing me like, this is going to be a struggle. You don't want to get, this is going to be a struggle. I didn't want her to take them to the museum. Why? Because I didn't want her to lose them. You know? And so I said, Lily, I, I, I knew it was coming. She said to me, we're not even there yet. Halfway there. Lily says, Mommy, I, I want to take my PJ mask in the, in the Children's Museum. And I'm like, all right, God. You prepared me for this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's work this out. Lily, I think it would be best if you would leave those toys in the car. They'll be with you. They will be there waiting for you when you are done. Mommy, no. I I, I really want to take them with me. Lily, I, I, I know. I know. But there's going to be so much to do at the Children's Museum that, you know, they're going to be waiting for you when you get back. So we did this. We did this for 15 minutes. And... It's a demonstration of how strong the will is, right? It's a demonstration of how strong the will is. And surprisingly, she relented. Surprisingly, she surrendered. I was able to talk her through this, guide her through this, and surprisingly, even in this back and forth, in this struggle, she surrendered and said at the end, okay, mommy. And she let him go. And as soon as we got back to the car, five hours later, Mommy, my PJ mask. And so maybe I'm hopeful that we built some trust. She built some trust in me that said, you know what? Mommy was right. Mommy was right. Like if they were right here waiting for me when I got, I didn't lose anything. I didn't miss anything. They were right here when I got back. So I noticed that even in that, you know, I mean, I I'm going to share with you my own testimony, but in that I got to I get to see on a daily basis what it looks like in this relationship with my child, what it looks like in our relationship with the Lord when the Lord is trying to get us to surrender to his higher in his greater way. Jesus is for the Christian, the model. He is the way he doesn't just have the way he is the way. And I thank God for the displays of Jesus in our word that get to show us how Jesus continually surrendered. One of the things I learned about being saved um, for for people who have not yet accepted Jesus into your life, being saved means that I acknowledge Christ. I acknowledge Christ as the Lord of my life and I believe him and I follow his ways. But but i learned that being saved doesn't mean that you're surrendered. That's not the same thing. You can follow somebody, but not believe them. You can follow somebody, but not let down, lay down your will so that their will can supersede. You can believe that somebody exists, but not surrender your will unto theirs. And in surrender, in my personal journey with surrender, I've learned a higher way. I've learned that Jesus When the Lord says, I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly, abundant life is in the surrender. There's the acknowledgement of Jesus, and then there's the surrender of Jesus, the surrender to Jesus, the yielding to Jesus. And there is a peace and there is a trust and there is a safety in that place. So I'm just going to call out a couple of highlights from Jesus' life for me that demonstrate that place of knowing and that place of surrender. At the beginning of Jesus' life, there is clearly a target on his head. King Herod is killing the babies in Jerusalem because he's trying to kill Jesus. Because even in Jesus' birth, he finds out that there is an assignment on him. There's a, there's a greater calling for him, and he's trying to stop it in his tracks. So for all of those of you who know you have a calling on your life, Just know in case you have any struggles or situations that the enemy knows it too. He knows it from the very beginning. So we knew this about Jesus from the very beginning, that there was an assignment and a calling on his life, and he was trying to stop it in in the very beginning. And so one of the things I've always prayed as a mother, I prayed this when I was pregnant, is God, help me to see my child's gifting, help me to see her anointing, and help me to to, to realize it and create an environment for her to, to walk in it. Don't just let me see it, but help me be the person. Help me be a person, a midwife for her gifts and her talents. And I think every parent wants to do that, right? You don't always see, you don't always recognize it, but every parent wants to do that. So fast forward to Jesus being 12 years old, and his parents take this annual trip to Jerusalem every year for the festival of Passover, and they take this this particular trip that we see in the word of God when he's 12 years old, and somehow Jesus doesn't make it back with them. Somehow Jesus is left behind. Decides that he's gonna, he's gonna stay back, and 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 I'm just and I'm saying this from the perspective of a parent, right? Just imagine your 12 year old, or or if you have nieces or nephews, your 12 year old deciding that they're gonna stay back and um and minister in the house of the Lord because that's where his parents found him. They found him in the house of the Lord. Ministering, and and the Bible says that his mother was frantic. They were frantic. They were like, "What are you doing here? Like, you don't. You're 12 years old. You don't get to decide that you're going to stay back." And Jesus boldly and and authoritatively responds to them, "Well, why were you looking for me? You should have known where I was. I was in the house of the Lord. You know, preaching." And people were amazed at how how much Jesus knew and how well he knew. So even at a young age, Jesus knew that there was an assignment and a calling, and he was walking in it. And, and 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 with the context that Jesus is fully God and fully man, but he is aware and he is showing us what it looks like even at a young age to realize your calling and be awakened to it. Later on, we see Jesus at 30 years old. Fast forward to his, around 30 years old. We see Jesus in the wilderness being prepared to to step out into his full ministry. He's in he's been led into the wilderness not by the devil, but to be tempted by the devil, it says he's been led by the spirit. So for anybody who's in a wilderness, who's feeling like the devil messing with you, it could be an opportunity for preparation. In fact, I would charge that it, it probably is an opportunity for preparation. So Jesus is in the wilderness. The devil is there tempting him. He says to him, hey, turn this, these rocks into bread and eat them because Jesus is fasting. He says, feed yourself. You can feed yourself. Turn these rocks into bread. You can eat them. He says, he takes him to a high mountain and he shows him all these kingdoms. He said, if you will bow down and worship me, all of these will be yours. I'll give all of this to you. He tells him to jump, throw himself off the mountain, as a matter of fact, and Jesus will come and save you, save you. And with all of these things, Jesus tells him, No, absolutely not, no, and get away from me. Get out of here. And so he's clear. He's clear. Jesus passed test after test after test of this character building wilderness that he's in to demonstrate that he's ready, that he's surrendered to God. He's ready for whatever it is that God has for him. In the between time, between what Jesus came to ultimately do, which was to die, to be resurrected and to be ascended so that we today could have eternal life, so that we could have relationship with the father. Jesus demonstrates to us between this time of his ministry what it looks like to be in relationship with God, what it looks like to be in relationship with people, what it looks like to be in relationship with yourself and within community. He demonstrates to us, we see him healing people, performing miracles on people. We see Jesus, I mean, fully living out this calling of his life. And you would think that, you know, this is like, this is it. This This is what you're supposed to be doing until. This is all leading up to this greater moment this greater moment of Jesus having to surrender yet again. And I would say to you, all of these were opportunities because surrender is not the big job. Surrender is not, Lord, you want me to take this big job? I'm going to take the big job because you told me to take. Surrender is not, um, you know, somebody's going to give you a, 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 you got to give somebody a big check. That's not what surrender is. Surrender is, Lord, you told me to fast for two days even though the rest of my family is not, so I'm going to do it. Surrender is this homeless person. I just bought this food. This homeless person is hungry. I'm going to give him my food. Surrender is what you do in the day to day. The Bible said in the scripture that we read, he said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Nine times out of 10, you don't make daily decisions about whether you're going to take a big job. That happens once in a blue moon. But on the daily, how do we surrender our life to God? So we see Jesus daily surrendering his life to to, to God so that at the moment of him being in the garden in agony, sweating blood, anguishing, just as we would be anguishing, Jesus could still say, Lord, we see his humanness. Thank you, Lord. We see his humanness to say, I don't don't want this. And if you could take this away from me, I'd really appreciate it because this is too much. But even in that moment, he says, not my will, but your will be done. We'd all like to believe that at that moment, that's what we do. We like to believe that that's what we do because Jesus had the ability to, to, to get up, to get up off his knees and say, you know what? This is too much, man. I'm not doing this. These people don't even like me. You know, he had the ability to do that. He had the ability to get himself off the cross. He had the ability to save himself at every time because guess what? We have a will. It's an act. The the, the word surrender is a verb. You actually have to do something. It's required an action of you. So to lay down your will, there's an action involved in that. You actually have to intentionally say, I'm going to make the choice to follow you and go the higher way. And that's what we saw Jesus do to demonstrate to us what it looks like. And I would dare say to you that Jesus was in the midst of a promotion. See, the people who saw him before, I mean, think about it. Jesus was publicly humiliated in his surrender, publicly humiliated. The same Jesus who was healing people and the same Jesus who was preaching authoritatively was arrested. He was publicly shamed. His closest friends left him and turned their back on him. The same Jesus was just healing people before, and they were lauding him and praising him and were, were, you know, getting on rooftops to get to him. And then the same Jesus was arrested. The same Jesus was publicly shamed. The same Jesus was arrested and put up on a cross, and they publicly shamed him in his face. It was like, man, come down that cross. I thought you were the Messiah. You going to let them kill you like that? That's the same Jesus. Nobody would ever think that that was a promotion, that he was being promoted to something higher and greater. Nobody would ever think that. But he was promoted. He was being promoted because he had passed all those tests of surrender. Because who do we talk about? Do we know the people who were mocking and shaming Jesus? Do we know their names? No, not really, but we know Jesus. But we know Jesus. Jesus. We serve and praise Jesus. Jesus is the name that is above all other names. Jesus is the name that we praise all over the world. It's Jesus that we know. But had Jesus not decided that he was gonna go through with it, would we know him? Would Jesus, would God have had to come up with a plan B? Jesus was his plan of redemption. You're somebody's plan of redemption. Oh my God, you are somebody's plan of redemption. Is somebody waiting on your surrender right now because guess what? There's something greater on the other side. There was something greater for Jesus on the other side. The resurrection of Jesus, Jesus had to be, he had to die in order to be resurrected, in order to be ascended, in order to be the name above all other names. I want to talk about one of my favorite characters in the Bible really quickly is Peter. You know, I think Peter gets a bad rap. Peter gets a bad rap. I, I, I relate to Peter a lot. They call Peter impulsive. Peter liked to jump out there. You know, who do people say I am? Jesus, you're the Messiah. Oh, oh Peter, you got it. Peter was impulsive. And I love Peter. I love Peter so much because Peter would be considered a regular person, right? He's a regular man. He's a fisherman, a trade of the time. Um, But he was impulsive. And I thank God for looking at people like Peter because Peter had to be redeemed a lot. He had to be redeemed a lot. But why did he have to be redeemed a lot? Because he was trying a lot. He was trying Thank God for redemption. He was trying. He kept trying. He, it didn't seem like he needed much convention. Jesus said, you know, told him a couple of things, um, came to his boat, Follow me. He followed him. I'll teach you how to fish for men and not just be a fisherman. I'll teach you a higher way. And he came with Jesus. And again and again, we see, we see these moments of Peter. Who do, who do men say that I am? They say that you're the Messiah, Lord. Bam. Yes, that's it. Jesus says, but in the same, in the, not too far down in the passage, Jesus says also, I'm going to have to die. I'm preparing you all. I'm going to have to die. No, Jesus, no, no. You're, you know, you're my friend. You're my homeboy. We wouldn't let that happen. Satan, get behind me. Because you don't want, you don't, you're not here for what God is here for. So in your time of surrender, we also see that even the people closest to you won't get it. Even the people closest to you won't get it. And Jesus demonstrated to us that surrender is also not caring about what other people think. You're so, you stand so strong in your conviction that you don't care what other people think. I often think about, Bishop, when you were teaching that sermon about black women and how you may have alienated some people or people may have thought that, like this doesn't apply to me, but God gave you something that you had to say. And it blessed so many people, black, white, and and in between. But you had to do what God was telling you to do. And that's what we see Jesus do in that moment with Peter. He's like, you know what? Listen, this is what God is telling me to do. So I know you're my friend, but you don't understand this higher way right now. Peter is still passing. He's he's being shaped into this person that God has for him. When the, when they're in the boat and he sees Jesus and he. He wants to he said Jesus if it be you bid me to come to you Jesus says come he gets out of the boat only one he gets out of the boat walks on water gets distracted by the wind starts to sink Jesus come come save me but he's trying we see Peter trying to get it right he's I would I would say he's excited he's excited about this new way right and he's trying to get it right all the way to the point of doing something that I'm sure he thought he would never do which is deny Jesus. 3 times Jesus told him you're going to deny me 3 times. Peter's like absolutely not. You know like we like this. I would never do anything like that. And he does it. And thank God we see God, we see Jesus after he is resurrected and 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 before he's getting ready to ascend restore Peter. Restore his his position restore his, his what Jesus had, had called him to do or told him, the mantle that he had placed on him. That he was going to be the rock that he was going to build the church on. He restored him in this place of redemption. And I thank God for this story because it's my story. It's my story. If not for redemption, there is no way that I could stand here right now. I thank God for my parents who seeded Christ into my life from the very beginning. I thank God for my parents who, who introduced me to a relationship with Jesus. I thank God for my best friend, Nyla, whose father was a pastor when we were growing up. And she loved the Lord. We both loved the Lord, but, but I used to like to cuss after school. I used to like to cuss after school because we weren't supposed to be doing it. And Nyla just kind of always like, she just, you know, that's, you know, Kristen's crazy. And, but she knew that I knew the Lord. She knew that I knew the Lord. She knew where I came from. No different. We literally came from almost identical families. So she knew I knew the Lord. And at the age of 13, I gave my life to the Lord. I laid my I laid what I thought I laid my will down and I gave my life to the Lord, and then, then began a journey of of transformation and conversion. And I've learned that conversion may be instant, but surrender is a journey. Surrender is a journey because it is that place of trust. I may trust that the chair that I'm sitting is going to support me, but will I trust that if I if I marry this man, that my life is going to be better for it. That's a, different, that's a different level in God. So around 2018, I had come to a crossroads, a personal crossroads. I had had the privilege of being a television journalist for almost a decade. And in that road to becoming a television journalist, there were a lot of decisions. After college, I only wanted to live in one place, and that was Harlem, New York. I wanted to live uptown in a brownstone in Harlem, and it happened. And so after that, when I moved to Harlem, my plan was to be a television journalist, and that didn't happen. Um, I moved to New York without a lot of strategy, without a, you know, I just moved there gung-ho, headstrong, that this is what I wanted to do, this is where I was going to do it. I had the support of my parents, I was able to secure a job, my mentor hired me as a writer for this magazine, and so for about five years I did a a number of corporate communications jobs. Even at one time, I got laid off from a job. And I ended up bartending and promoting parties at night for about six months. And I was trying to do what the scripture or what the definition says. When you stop attempting to figure things out, I was trying to figure it out. And what I forgot in the midst of that is when you have the Holy Spirit, you don't have to try to figure things out. You don't have to try to figure things out when you have the Holy Spirit. There's a there's a path set before you. There's a path laid before you when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life. When you take time to to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. There is a path that's laid out for you. But I was trying to figure it out. I called my daddy and I didn't have a job and I was bartending and he got a degree. And he was like, girl, what is going on? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm cool, daddy. I'm cool. I got it. I'm figuring I'm figuring it out. It's all gonna be good. And the truth of the matter was, I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Thank God for praying grandmothers, praying parents, and the seed of Jesus in my heart. But I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I knew that I wanted to be a television journalist. I didn't know how it was gonna happen. I moved to New York, had all these big plans, and you know, I met this wonderful man thanks to my parents. I met this wonderful man that I then married. And he helped me create this strategy for how I was going to make the pivot into television journalism. And so I did that. And that pivot required me to move out of state and live long distance from him for a year. So I moved to a place called Abilene, Texas. Who's ever heard of Abilene, Texas? Oh, snap. Got some some homies in the house. So I had to move to Abilene, Texas. Richard stayed in Connecticut. Here I am in Texas, learning, growing as a journalist. Seems like my dream is finally coming true. My dream. Finally coming true. So I go to Abilene, Texas, have an amazing experience. I come back to New York. I'm so gung ho that I start my own show. I literally started my own show. Started my own show. Had you know, Richard is helping me. I'm using our money as an investment. Using our money as a personal investment. Believing that you know, while I'm doing all of this, I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing amazing work. Jesus, make sure you co-sign this work. Co-sign it, Jesus. You know, like you go get an apartment. Okay, I'm good enough for half of it, but Jesus, I need you to co-sign the rest of it. Okay, we good? We good. All right. And, um, you know, the Lord is allowing it. He's allowing me to do to figure it out and have my way. And I ended up getting awards. I've been awarded as a journalist a number of times. Um, But if I'm honest... Being a television journalist had always been a struggle. It always been a struggle to secure the next opportunity, move up. It was always a struggle. And that struggle came to a head in 2018 when I had a contract that ended. This contract ended with no sign of what's to come. And I just came to a place of frustration. Like, God, you know, this has been an uphill battle. I don't know what to do. And this particular place that I had finished working at was toxic and hostile anyway, but I just was trying to focus on the bigger picture. I'm like, God, me being a television journalist is so much bigger than this this particular station. And so six months later, I got an opportunity at that same station to interview as an anchor, as a main anchor. And, you know, anybody who's a reporter knows being an anchor is a promotion. And so I got this opportunity to interview for the job, and the news director told me that if I were to take the job, I would have to work on the weekends for five years. And at the time, my daughter was 18 months old. And so I listened to him, went through with the rest of the interview, and I walked out and I was like, God. I know that this is not my job. There's no way that I would take a job to secure me for my next five years of weekends and miss my child's growth and development. I just wouldn't do that. And so I was angry. When I tell you I was angry with, I was so mad at God. I was like, God, I called Nyla. I said, girl, have you ever thought about breaking up with God? I'm like, now you know us. Now we love the Lord, but I'm I'm about through. This is ridiculous. And she she was like, Yeah, you know, I know what you mean. And by the before we got off the phone, I was encouraging her and something. I said, doggone on it. And she was like, Kristen, like that's you, like you, this is you, honey. Where where you gonna go? Thank God for saved friends. And so. I was like, man. And so for two weeks, I promise, I just went silent, like radio silent. Like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not, talk- I'm not talking to you. If Lily ever does that to me, I would be so crushed. I would be so hurt. But I did. I was like, God, I'm not talking to you. And then finally, in a moment of shattering, I was like, God, why? Why would you? Why would you send me to this interview for a job you know I can't have? And God said to me, I needed you to know you didn't want that job. There's no more questioning if this is the way that you should go. I didn't take anything from you. I'm not holding anything from you. Because how many of us know that God is for us? God is for us and not against us. And God said, I'm not holding anything from you, but I needed you to know. Now you can make the decision which way you're going to go. And so I said, all right, Lord. I surrender. I surrender, God. I have come to the end of myself. I've come to the end of myself. I'm done trying to make my way work. And I and it was like I heard the Lord say, I've been letting you do what you want to do for as long as you're going to do it, but I got another, I got I got another way for you. I have a higher way that's waiting on you, Kristen. A way that doesn't involve the struggle you've been having to go through. If you would trust me, if you would surrender to me. December of 2018, I said, God, I surrender. And I still didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I started applying to some places. And then I got this call from Wellesley College. I knew about Wellesley College not because I'm from Massachusetts, but because I had this wonderful friend that I interned with in New York City many years ago. And she was a graduate of Wellesley College. And so she was my introduction some 17, 18 years ago. And so I got this call from Wellesley College. I'm like, I didn't even apply. I didn't apply to Wellesley College. And I'm like, Rich, I got this call. My husband, I'm like, Richard, I got this call from Wellesley College. He's like, oh, yeah, I applied for a job for you. I'm like, you applied? He said, I applied. He was like, "If you know, it's five minutes from the house, Chris. You've come through out of a really stressful situation. It's a, part-time situ- it's a part-time job. I think this will be good for you. And so I'm going, I mean, I had like three rounds of interviews. And I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense, but all right. I ended up getting this job. I took the job reluctantly because I'm like, none of this makes sense to me. But okay. I take the job. Wellesley College ended up becoming my very first major client for Pope Productions. When the pandemic happened, they had to begin terminating contracts. Mine was the very last to be terminated. And in the midst of that, the director of the department reached out to me and let me know that she was leaving Wellesley and going to Harvard. And so we were celebrating, we're like, that's great, it's wonderful, she was becoming the Dean of Continuing Education at Harvard, a really big job. And she said to me, she said, Kristen, if we ever get the opportunity to work together again, I would love that. And so I was like, of course, you know, wonderful, she's one of the best bosses I've ever had. And so in between this time, I prayed this prayer, I said, God, I have surrendered to you. So whatever it is that you want me to do in this moment, I'm not worried about it, I'm not scared, I'm not rushing you, this is your time, whatever you want me to do, Let it be so. And so I prayed this prayer. And the very next day, I got a call from Bishop. I got a call from Bishop asking me if I wanted to lead the social media efforts of this church. And I was like, "Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. And so that happened. I became a consultant to the church. I got to work under the amazing Kia Martin. And in the meantime, I got a call from Harvard from this old, my old director saying, there's an opportunity and I want you to come work for me. Are you interested? And so I was like, okay, Lord. All right. So I go through the interviews, go through the rounds of interviews. In the meantime, another girlfriend reaches out and says, listen, there's this organization in New York that wants to turn their after school program into a television broadcast studio. And I said, they should come talk to you. So I talked with them my first big, big negotiation and signed a five-figure contract with them to teach journalism to their high schoolers. So by November, <laughs> by November of last year, I was working for PT. I had accepted a job at Harvard University and was and and had accepted this contract with Harlem Children's Zone, all at the same time. None of which I went to go get. All from this moment of surrender. All from this moment of surrender. In the meantime, all this other stuff started happening. My husband and I got appointed to boards in our town. My God, my husband and I got appointed to boards in our town I was named top 50 most influential business person of color. At the end of the year, on December 31st, 2020, this article came out. The top 25 most interesting people in the Metro. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. There's 200,000 people in the Metro West. And somehow I made the list. And I don't say any of this, none of this. And I think, I mean, my PT family knows me. My family knows me. I'm not saying any of this to brag. I am saying that God was saying, Kristen, this is a higher way. There's a higher way that I have for you, a way that doesn't involve this daily struggle, a way that involves you laying yourself down so that I can demonstrate to you what it looks like to trust me and to put your life in my hands. I can do so much more in 18 months that you could ever do in 15 years. In 15 years, this is what you've accomplished. But this is what I've done in 18 months. And so, the voice of the Lord, I think about Jesus and how he demonstrated to us what it looks like to know and to trust the voice of the Lord. At every turn, we see Jesus going, taking time to connect with the Father. Bishop has been teaching us about the blue truth and what it means to connect and know the voice of the Lord and to get out of radius with God. What happens when you get out of radius with God? How do you come back to know the voice of the Lord? Because the voice of the Lord is leading us at all times. At all times, the voice of the Lord is leading us. And if we would just lay our lives down. Let me tell you something. Children follow their parents because they know them and they're comfortable. But they surrender to their parents because they trust them. Because they trust them. Who better? Who better to trust? who better to trust than the person who made you God told me last year he and I, and I mean when, when, when you sang it this morning Jessica and praise team like it was such confirmation because I was I was repeating it over and over again on the car ride home God is for us He's for us He's not here to harm us whether we have 24 hours or another 72 years. They all belong to him. And I would rather in this 24 hours allow God to do the exceedingly, abundantly, and unimaginable than I would spend the next 72 years trying to do my own thing. Maria, I thank you for that name, the Surrender Evangelist. I truly am. I leave this charge to you today to ask yourself, what are you struggling to surrender? What are you struggling to give up? The Bible says that if you would lose your life, you would gain it. And for those of us who hold on to our lives, we would lose it. So I encourage you today, there is a higher way There's a higher way. There's a higher way. There's a deeper way in God that would yield results that you can't get on your own. And not only that, there's somebody waiting on your surrender so that they know what it looks like to live a life in God. There's promotion in surrender. Your darkest moment is your hour of promotion. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like that's what it's supposed to be. I know our highest moment should look like the mountaintop, but that's not where it is. Your highest moment is on your knees in the place of surrender. There is a promotion. There is an elevation. There is an open door at the moment where you say, God, I surrender all to you. This is your life. Have your way. is that everybody surrenders their life to God. He knows best. He knows better. There's this old song says, Mother Knows Best. The Holy Spirit knows best. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: For his word, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing God to use you, Kristen. I have a lot of notes here, but I, I want to just lift two things that she said. She said one statement at the beginning of the sermon and one statement at the end. She said, promotion comes through surrender. And then later she asked a question, who is waiting for your surrender so that they can be touched by the power and love of Jesus Christ? Kristen Hestead, 2018, that was a season of wrestling. Um, But I want to remind Kristen of, of at least when I saw a total surrender. It was right here in this building. many remember already we were at the end of our 91 hour consecration and I remember I was sitting where I usually sit in the front of the church before COVID and all this hit Kristen came up the center aisle because she was actually the one who was supposed to be leading that moment, that that watch. And up to that not time, I knew Kristen as a um, television anchor, television reporter. Every time I looked at Kristen, she always looked like she walked out of a Vogue, cover of Vogue magazine so when I looked at her, she had on a track suit and no makeup. And I said to Carmen, you know, it was like, my mind was like, what happened? You know, what did Richard do? Only can Richard. <laughs> and she was weeping on her knees, weeping. And then she spoke, saying, the Lord told me to come before him, naked, and not allowing even my makeup to come between me and him. And for me, from that moment on, there began a transformation. How many of you right now have makeup? Makeup, the image you want to project. that you only want people to see, but you bring that same makeup into your private time with God. And he looks at you and says, that's not the real you. That's not the you I created. This is a bad word right here. That's the you you made up. But if you allow me to take away what you've made up, then i'm gonna show you the real you which is so much better and you don't have to keep up the pretense and where where is this surrender supposed to take place it's very simple it's very simple it's very simple Life becomes hard when you're trying to figure things out. There is nothing to figure out. Again, I borrow the words of Bishop Tudor Bismarck. God is not not looking for you to understand. He's looking for you to obey. So where does the surrender come? To his word? You will never find happiness and joy. Until you surrender to his will and his word. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. I like what Kristen said conversion, becoming a believer, becoming a child of God is instant. But surrender is a lifetime journey. If you never receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're still, may- you're still living a made-up life. And it may look good, because makeup usually looks good, but that's not what God has for you. God is for you. God is for you. Can, can, can you say those words with me? God is for me. Come on, say it then. God is for me. He wants his highest and best for you. If you're never given your life to Jesus and you are touched by the words that came from his vessel, his woman of God, Kristen Pope, just bow your head. And that, the bowing of the head is simply saying to God, I humble myself to you, and for this moment I surrender. And if you never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, just say, Jesus. That's right, he said those words Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart, take away my sin, this thing that separates me from you and make me a child of God. Jesus, I believe you died for my sin and you rose again. That's right, repeat those words. And you rose again so that I could become a child of God. Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. Right now I know I'm a child of God. If you prayed that prayer, if that was your desire, please c- get in contact with us at the email on the screen and we will get back to you to help you with the walk, with your walk with the Lord. Ah, I'm excited about what God is doing. Cause even through this pandemic, God is desiring to get us to surrender so that we can have his highest and his best. I want to bless you, especially the mothers. I want to bless you right now. At the end of the service, we always give a blessing. And so if you could put out your hands to receive the blessing. And we put our, our hands with palms up because James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift. Every perfect gift comes down from the Father of Lights. God wants to bless you. He's for you. And after I bless you, if you need any further prayer, further encouragement, please go to our private Zoom rooms, our private Zoom prayer rooms because we want to pray for you. We want to walk with you because God is for you. And so today. Mothers especially. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord remove away this week anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny and his best for your life. may the Lord Make it easier for you this week to surrender to him. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and activate this by saying, I receive that blessing. God bless you and have a fantastic day, mothers and mother-like figures. And have a wonderful week.